Welcome to today's teaching service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church SEAC Temagana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with the new miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to follow in the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus. Prepare yourselves, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of SBAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. I encourage you, therefore, to join us every Tuesday at our teaching services at 7 p.m. prompt. You will be truly blessed. God bless you as you join us in the service. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for this meeting. We thank you for the lives of all those who are with us right now. Whether in here with us, various branches, or externally. Lord, we are here. The Lord, you might teach us your word. We therefore gather in your presence in the name of Jesus. And we gather through the power of the Holy Spirit. Believing the Lord, you are here with us right now by faith. Give us therefore, Lord, humble spirits. Give us teachable spirits. Grant us to see wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all be seated. Hallelujah. I'd like to welcome all of us to this evening's um, meeting. Uh, those of us here in Tema, in our various branches, and our brethren who are in the diaspora or external, you are all welcome. Uh, stay with us. Let's all humble ourselves before God and uh, accept his word by faith. So that he, as our Lord and our God, will bless us. This evening, what I want to teach on, I've entitled, The Little Leaven. The Little Leaven. The Little Leaven. Or Small Leaven. Leaven is L-E-A-V-E-N. Leaven. A little leaven. Leaven is the old word for yeast. Yeast. So it's another word for yeast. But the title for this evening teaching is The Little Leaven. And we take our scripture from the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua 7. Verses 1 to 13. Joshua chapter 7. We begin from verse 1 and end at verse 13. Joshua 7, 1 to 13. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Avim, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out I. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let 
all the people go up. But let about two or three thousand men go up and attack I. Do not weary all the people. Sorry, do not weary all the people there. For the people of I are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of I. And the men of I struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord, God, why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we have been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns his back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it. So they will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because that says the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Amen. Praise the Lord. The letter 11. The letter 11. Um... The children of Israel were able to destroy powerful nations, nations that were much, much more powerful than they. Israel was able to destroy them. We know of how they defeated the two kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og. These were mighty nations, mighty kings with mighty armies. And um, Israel, them. But because God was with Israel, God fought the battles for them. And therefore, Israel was able to defeat the two kings on the other side of the Jordan River. Praise the Lord. Um, the Bible said that if God be for us, who can be against us? Church, may God be with you always. Day and night, may God fight your battles for you. Now, when Israel crossed the Jordan on their way to Canaan to inherit the land that God has promised them, they had to get to the land. Now, they had to face Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. The Bible said it was 
heavily fortified and shut in. It was almost impossible for any nation to destroy Jericho. Yet again, because God with his children, God with his children Israel, God fought the battle for them, and they were able to defeat Jericho and burn the city down fire and destroy everybody. Now, God has said, before they attacked Jericho, God had given them a commandment that they should not, no Israelite was allowed to take anything out of Jericho. Everything was to be destroyed. Only the gold and silver and precious metals were to be brought into the treasury of God's house. The gold, the silver, were to be taken and brought into the treasury of the temple, the house of God. But no individual under any circumstance, any situation, must take for himself or herself anything out of Jericho that belonged to Jericho. Because everything there was a curse. The reason was that everything in the city of Jericho was a curse, was an abomination, defiled. And Israel as a holy nation, Israelites as the holy people of God, were therefore forbidden. They, were, they should not take or touch any of those things. These were the clear and specific instructions, commandments that God gave to Israel before they attacked the city of Jericho. And we are all familiar with how God brought the walls of Jericho down and delivered the city of Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. God again fought for them. God fought for Israel. Church, once again, may God always fight for you. In the name of Jesus. But there was a man of the tribe of Judah whose name is mentioned as Achan. This man, when Israel destroyed Jericho, decided to take something, go against the word of God. He deliberately disobeyed God's commandment. And God's commandment is based on his covenant. The commandment of God is a covenant. When God says, don't do that, you don't do it. Because with every commandment, there is an attached blessing. And therefore, it becomes a covenant between God and his children. Don't do this. This thing is forbidden. Don't touch this. Once God says it, the Bible says that God's words goes out to perform that thing for which it was spoken. It does not come back to invoke it. So it becomes a covenant. And when one obeys the words of God, there are blessings that are bestowed upon that person. But when you go against the word of God, you attract judgment, you attract punishment, you attract curses. So this man, Achan, deliberately, knowingly, disobeyed God's word and took some things, city of Jericho, without the knowledge of anybody else. It was just he, he alone. Not even a group. He was just one man, one person, who committed this transgression. Now, the time came when Israel now had to defeat the next city called Ai. Ai was a much smaller city. In fact, Ai was no match for Israel. Small city. So Joshua sent our spies to go and spy out the country. And the spies came back with a report that, oh, I is a very small city. We don't even need to send our entire army. 
send only about two or three thousand. But when we talk of the army of Israel, we talk about 70,000 armed men who are able to go to war, about 70,000. So the spy said, send about two or three thousand. We don't need to wear it, everybody. Let us rest. Just two of them, 20,000, go, 2,000 go and defeat I and come back. But to the surprise of everybody, to the surprise of all, when the 3,000 Israelite soldiers went to attack I, they could not stand before them. They couldn't stand before the men of I. And they had to flee. They turned up, so they turned their backs and fled. They fled. And the men of I chased them, chased them far, and struck down and killed about 36 Israelite men, men of valor. This had never happened before. Throughout Israel's journey from Egypt, it had never happened. Never had Israel in their journey succumbed or bowed to any nation. Least of all, small city like I. So there must have been something wrong. There must be something wrong. Praise the Lord. There must be something wrong. And in our walk with God, you see, God has given us all many promises. But the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is filled with very good promises from God for his children. That's for you and for me. So, generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, when things are not going according to the word of God, Regarding your life, my life, your church, your family, or anything, then probably something is wrong somewhere because God is faithful. God watches over his word to perform it. He's not a man that he should lie, and he's not a man that he should repent. He watches over his word to perform it. His word is yea, and his word is amen. It's yes and amen. There's no shadow of turning in God. There's no shadow of turning. So, definitely, something had gone wrong at I. And Joshua, who was the leader of the Israelites, and the elders, at that time, thought that God had just forsaken them. God are forsaking them, which is what probably many of us will think when, as Christians, things are not going well for us. Uh, you think you've done everything that you need to do, but things are not going the way God, God's word says. So you may think that God may have forsaken you. God has turned his back on you. God has even forgotten you. So you tend to blame God. Many are those who blame God when things go wrong in their lives. And we see here a very typical example. Because Joshua and the elders of Israel fell on their faces and put dust on their heads. As for the custom in those days. They used to put on sackcloth, sit in ashes, as an extreme sign of humility. And uh, they asked God, Lord, God, why? 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 I have met many believers, many Christians whose prayer, prayer topic is always why. And the why is not directed against, not at themselves, but against God. Their whys are always directed against God or in the direction of God. So this is the case of Joshua and the leaders of Israel from morning till evening, lying down with their faces to the earth, dashed on them. They said, Lord, why have you brought us here to destroy us? 
Why did you bring us all this distance? Only to deliver us into the hands of our enemies. So, that, so that now we have to flee. We, Israel, have to flee from before the face of our enemies. A city as little as I. Because until now, the whole region, the whole earth, everybody has heard about Israel, how they came out of Egypt, which no one could have done. No one. No people could have come out of Egypt by force. No way. They came out. They had heard of how their God parted the Red Sea for them to walk through on dry land. They had heard how they crossed the desert, manna food falling from heaven, meat falling in the camp, how they received water for a rock, all their conquests and miracles that their God did for them, it had gone viral. It had gone viral. And all the nations now were afraid. They were afraid. They lived in fear of the Israelites. So now, if they should hear that a city as small and weak and insignificant as I have been able to defeat Israel, that will strengthen their enemies. It will embolden their enemies to gather together, attack them, and destroy them. So this was Joshua saying, the Lord, now our enemies are going to surround us. Because they seem that, oh, we are not a great nation. We are not that powerful after all. They are going to surround us and they will slaughter each and every one of us. And our name will be cut off from the earth. That was Joshua's prayer. So Lord, why? Why do you not allow us to stay on the other side of the Jordan? but you even parted the Jordan for us to cross the river Jordan on dry land again into Canaan only to be defeated by I. The Bible said that the people's hearts melted. They were discouraged and became like water. And now, and now Israel for the first time became afraid. Afraid of what could possibly happen to them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There are many lessons you can learn from this. Lord, I'm not saying that things must always go well for every believer. That's what I'm saying. But when things are consistently, permanently not going well, if that's all that you think you should do, things are not going well, begin to look at yourself. Don't Blame God. Even if you don't blame God. If you want someone to blame, blame someone else but not God. Blame yourself and not God. So God came in and said, Joshua, get up. What are you doing on the floor? What do you think you are doing? Get up. Somebody, he said, oh, Israel, he said, someone, he said, some Israel has transgressed my law, my commandment, my, com my covenant. God said, Israel has transgressed my covenant. The commandment I gave you, what did you do? People of Israel have transgressed it. And therefore, they could not stand before that small army from I. Somebody Somebody amongst you, God knew who it was. Somebody in your midst has taken of the accursed things. The very things that are accursed, that are defiling, that are an abomination, which are not to be brought into your camp, but to be burned with fire, to be destroyed. Somebody has taken them one person and brought them into the camp and therefore brought a curse on
on the whole nation of Israel, brought judgment, brought sin into the camp of Israel. And because God cannot be a party to sin, God cannot join himself to sin, God was not with them when they went up against I, and therefore they could not stand against the people I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Now, it turned out to be that this Achan, a man from the tribe of Judah, disobeyed God. And how did he disobey God? He saw a beautiful when they, when they invaded Jericho, he saw a beautiful Babylonian garment. Babylonian dress, garment, beautiful. So he couldn't resist taking it. He took it. He took it. And then he also took, he, he came across 200 shekels of silver, a lot of money. Money. He came across 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. Now, when you convert this gold and silver into today's currency, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. You couldn't resist it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And therefore he took them, brought them with him to the camp, and hid them in the ground. He dug the ground and hid them in the camp, in his tent, thinking that, oh, that was it. But you see, the Bible says that all things are naked before the eyes of God. There's nothing that is hidden from him. All things, everything is naked before the eyes of God. God is all-seeing, is all-knowing, and all-powerful. Nothing at all is hidden from him. That's what you and I must never forget. And may you never forget this church. Praise the Lord. So this was Achan's sin, or Achan's sin. That's what he did. Um, a lot of times we take things for granted. When we are faced with temptation, when we are faced with temptation, if you're not careful, at that point, because of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, we leave God out of the equation and we follow our own sinful instincts. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We set aside God's word, God's commandment, God's word, and we go after our own things. Forgetting that as a Christian, God expects you to obey his word. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at the consequences of Achan's sin. Achan's sin, one man's sin. We look briefly at the consequences on Israel. Now, though only one person sinned, though only one person sinned in the camp of Israel, the entire nation had to suffer. It was only Achan who sinned secretly. The rest didn't know. Yet the entire nation had to suffer. We go to 1 Corinthians 5, 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul says something there. 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Paul says, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now, leaven is the old word for yeast. And yeast is used in baking bread. Those of you who are bakers, 
yeast is was used to bake bread. And when yeast is added to the flour and put in the oven, it makes the bread sort of become bread. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. It makes it, um, you know, I don't know what that you see. It makes it bloat up. And we can't bread that we eat. It gives it a taste and everything. Now, they only add, they, they don't have to, you don't, they don't add a lot of yeast. Only a little. A little of the yeast or leaven. And yet, it spreads through the whole loaf. And therefore, I would say it leavens the whole bread or the whole lump. Leaven the whole lump. Paul here was talking about the, the Corinthian church, uh, in which was a man who actually had taken his father's wife and living with his father's wife. The church knew it. it this act was a transgression, a sin, abomination to God. And the Corinthian church knew it, and yet they didn't do anything about it. The man was in the church, maybe the woman was also in the church. They would meet and have praise and worship, dance and sing and be very happy. So they were glorying. They were very happy, as if everything was okay. So Paul said, your glorying is not good. Your glorying, your worship, your praise and worship, your singing, your prayers... They are an abomination of the Lord because did you not know? Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lamb? One person who has sinned in the church tells the whole church. Especially when you all know about it, you condone, you connive, you tolerate, you sort of close your eyes to it deaf ears to it. You don't care. And this is what happening in many churches. Many churches of today worse than it was in the Corinthian church. The pastors and the church leaders may know of some things going on, but because of the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, self-importance, Pastors who want to have large congregations, large churches. Therefore, translating into wealth, riches, fame, power, and self-importance. Close their eyes to these things, and they turn deaf ears to these things. But God said that this is not good enough. And let's leaven, leaven the whole lamp. And Paul says again Galatians 5, verse 9. Again in Galatians 5, verse 9. Paul repeats it. The Galatian church. First to the church at Corinth, and then to the Galatian church. Galatians 5, 9. Paul said again. He says, A little leaven leavened the whole lump. Again, twice. To the Corinthian church, and to the Galatian church. Because of what the man did, the entire nation was defiled and became a curse. This was a result of Achan's sin. As a Christian, yes, you are an individual. You are an individual. But don't forget that we are all part of the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. The church of which you are a member is the body of Christ. If, let's say, you are the little finger, you are the little finger, or you are the eye, the nose, and the little finger is defiled or sick. A little finger is rotting away. It affects the entire body. You know, I always say that as, as a doctor, I am very well 
familiar the fact that people who come to hospital don't come because their whole body is sick. They're not there because their whole body, otherwise they will, they will, be, they will, have, they will be dead. But they come because of a toothache. Only one tooth is hurting. One tooth is hurting. So they travel to a hospital, spend money, spend a whole day there, see a doctor, get painful injections. The tooth is what is hurting, what's going wrong. And yet when, when they receive the injection, they receive the injection in the, in the bottle that has to suffer. Hello? We don't put the injection in the tooth. It's in the bottle. Hallelujah. Money that the whole body has worked for is spent to buy medications or, or pay for transportation because of the tooth. Because it is one body. And therefore, your standing, your righteousness, your holiness in the eyes of God in the congregation can defile the entire church. It can make the Holy Spirit withdraw. God may not strike you down as he did or pronounce judgment or death on you now, but the result is that it made the power of God go, go down. It diminishes the power of God in the church, not only in your life, but also in the, in the church. And therefore, we need to be very careful how we live in this world, especially as a member of the body of Christ. That you don't weaken the power in the church. You don't, you don't destroy or bring down the anointing in the church or the fire of God in the church. Now, because of Achan's sin, number two, Israel suffered a humiliating defeat before the army of Ai. Apart from the fact that Israel became a curse because of one person's sin, the entire nation of Israel became a curse. Israel, secondly, suffered a humiliating defeat before that small, weak army of Ai. Because God, God was not with them. God was not with them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just a few days ago, two or three days ago, I had a, a vision that I want to share with you briefly. I may understand some of these things. Very clear vision. Uh, in fact, it's like a simple message or simple symbolic dream. And in that dream... I saw myself in a big room, definitely like an auditorium, but not roofed. It's, it's like a walled, a walled, um, a walled compound, walled with a fence wall. And there were many people outside, multitudes of people outside. But a door, there was only one door that opened into this big expanse of compound, world, only one door. And this door was very narrow, just a big door, very narrow door. So I think some of you can understand what I'm talking about. A narrow door. And I found myself inside, and those who were coming in were very few. Most of the people were outside. They couldn't enter. They were not qualified to enter. They were kept outside. They, didn't have, they did not have what it takes to be in the inside. So those who were with me inside were very few. Now, in the center of this space, this area, was a, a big mango tree, huge mango tree. And the mango tree had born fruit and ripe yellow, nice fruits. Now, it turned out that all or most of the fruits have been taken. So, all the fruits have been taken. Only a small area, one side, still fruits. But access to that place was very difficult. It was not possible for many people to 
reach out and pluck the mangoes from that area. Therefore, the mangoes there were still there. Very nice, yellow, sweet, succulent, you know, mangoes. But getting the mango from that side was difficult. And therefore, the mangoes were still there. Then I saw a ladder. A ladder set on the ground against the wall, reaching up to where the mangoes were. A ladder was set up, ground, with the top reaching toward the mangoes. So I immediately, I began to climb the ladder. And I read the top. There to pluck the mangoes. Because there were people there who were waiting to get the mangoes. So I climbed up the ladder. And I got to where the mangoes were. And as I was going, because the mango tree was big. And you know, it was full of leaves. I said to myself, I hope I don't find any snake up there. Because you know, sometimes you, go up, you can find a snake. Going for a mango, but there might be a snake there. And I heard a voice that there can be no snake where you are going. No snake can be there. But when I got there, as I began to plot the mangoes and throw them, people were just catching, catching and eating. Some got one, some were cutting two, others three. Those who were greedy were getting five. <laughs> but they were all very happy. Then, just there, I saw bags of money. Hanging with the, with the mangoes, I saw bags of money. A lot of money, like gold. Money. And I said, so I said, ah. But I thought I was coming here to pluck mangoes. Where did this money come from? So there was a temptation to also take the money or even, even throw them down. But I said, no, I didn't come here for money. I came here for mangoes. So I thank God that I didn't touch the money. I left it all up there. <laughs> in fact, if I touched the money in the dream, I would have been very sad. I wouldn't be standing here today. But in the dream, I never touched the money. I only plucked the mangoes and gave them out to those who were down there and there was celebration, jubilation, joy down there. Then when I finished, suddenly appeared a very, very big mango, like a coconut. This one just appeared somewhere. And then I heard a voice say that this one is for you. This one is for you. And I took it and I began to eat it. I'm sure that if I had been tempted to take the money, and I'm taking it, that maybe I wouldn't have received that big mango. The story would have been different. But I thank God I didn't touch the money. So church, uh, with every blessing, there's temptation very close by. There's sin very close by. And you have to be sober. Be vigilant. You have to have self-control. Knowing that uh, the last of the eyes, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life, pride of life, makes you a friend of the world. And when you become a friend of the world, you become an enemy of God. I shared this vision with you about two days ago. I woke up and I called my wife. She was the first person I told her. I said, I'm happy I didn't touch the money. And I'm happy that we were able to get the mangoes where no one could get them. I don't want to go into that, but one day I'll tell you the meaning of that. The ladder and the mangoes that were left there, I don't have time for that now. But church, consider yourselves blessed. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So Israel suffered a humiliating defeat before the army of I. Let's go to the book of John. John 15, verse 5 to 7. Verses 5 to 7. John chapter 15. John's gospel. 15, verses 1 to 5, 5 to 7, sorry. John chapter 15, verses 5 to 7. Jesus said, he said, I am the vine. You are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Church, may whatever you desire be done for you. May whatever you desire be done by God for you. In the name of Jesus. Now, because of one man's sin, I can't sin. 36 Israelite soldiers lost their lives. 36 innocent soldiers lost their lives because of Akan's sin. Think of it. Now, we go to Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verses 3 to 6. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. Exodus 20, verses 3 to 6. If you dare say amen. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 6. God said, You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 3. Now, verse 4. He said, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Here we see God in the Ten Commandments saying that he visits the iniquity, the sins of the fathers upon the children. In other words, if a father should commit a sin, transgression, abomination, then the father's punishment will become generational. It will go from generation to generation, generation to generation. So God says, because a jealous God, he visits the sins of the fathers upon the children. Praise the Lord. But now, so this became a proverb in Israel. It became a proverb in Israel in those days. And the proverb was that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on it. Your father having eaten abonua and kachariah now, your father has eaten sour grape, bitter lemon, and the children's teeth are set on edge. The children have got, they have got sensitive teeth. So, we go to Ezekiel. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18. Ezekiel, chapter 18. And I'll read verses 1 to 18. And we'll look at something quickly here. Ezekiel chapter 18, Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 1 to 18. Ezekiel chapter 18, 1 to 18. Now, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me again saying, what do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Now listen carefully. Because of the Ten Commandments, that become a proverb that 
fathers have eaten sour grapes, and therefore the children are punished for their father's sins. Just like Achan sinned and 36 men lost their lives. But God is now saying, in verse 2, what do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. Now, now God is going to begin to deal with everybody on an individual basis. God is now going to begin to deal with everybody according to your own merit. Not what your father had done, not your mother had done, but according to your own performance. So he said, behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing. If he has not exerted usury, nor taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between man and man, if he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he is just. He shall surely live, said the Lord God. Now, it doesn't matter what your father has done. If you, as an individual, will obey God's word, doesn't matter what your ancestor did, what hometown you came from, what tribe you are from. Now, verse 10. If he begets a son who is a robber, if somebody gives, gives birth to a son, and the son is a robber, armed robber, or a shedder of blood, who does any of these things, and does none of those duties, but has eaten on the mountains, or defiled his neighbor's wife, if he has oppressed the poor and needy, robbed by violence, not restored the pledge, lifted his eyes to the idols, or committed abomination, if he has exerted usury, or taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. If he has done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Now, verse 14. If, however, he begets a son, the man is a sinner, but he begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done, sees all the sins that his father has, which his father has done, and considers but does not do likewise, who has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his eyes to the idols on the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, has not oppressed anyone, nor withheld a pledge, nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing, who has withdrawn his hand from the poor and not received usury or increase, but has executed my judgments and walked in my statutes, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence, and did what is, what is not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. So you see, our God is a God of progress. So now God said, that now no more should we say that Fathers have eaten sour grapes, children are set on edge. Praise the Lord. Now, what does it mean? It means that, yes, you may be in the church. When we bring it to present day, the New Testament church, you are a Christian. You call yourself a believer. You are in the church. But you repeatedly, constantly, or even once transgress 
the words of God. You go against the word of God. Yeah, though you may defile the church, though you may bring sin to the church, the church shall be innocent. No one is going to bear the punishment and judgment with you. Praise the Lord. As happened in the case of Akam. It's like saying that your blood shall be on your own head. No one will share in that judgment or that punishment. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. We a church, we are a family. But when it comes to divine punishment for a sin, it's an individual matter. As a church, we are a family. It's like if your finger is rotting away, in medicine, if you come with a finger that is rotting away, uh, we can't do anything about it. What do we do? We amputate it. We cut it off. We cut it off. Praise the Lord. And the rest of the body is now free. We cut it off. Remove the finger. Sometimes in the eye. And the rest of the body is free. If you agree with me, say amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Number four, finally, because of Achan's sin, now Israel faced a danger of attack from their surrounding enemies because now their position was weakened. And they said, now our neighbors will surround us and cut us off. What does it mean? When you, you sin against God, you weaken yourself spiritually. You weaken yourself spiritually. Sin alienates you, separates you from God. And when God is not with you, you are vulnerable. You are weak. You are weak. You are just there for the picking. There. And this I said, now our neighbors will surround us and cut it off. Sin weakens. Sin, in fact, invites enemies and curses. And that's what happened to Israel. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. You know the Bible reads again. You know this. 1 Peter 5, 8. The Bible says here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a, like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom? Seeking whom he may devour. And let's go to the good old Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 4. Psalm 2, 3, verse 4. Yea, or yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Bible is saying that yes, it is true. It is true that we all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we will fear no evil if God is with you. I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Praise the Lord. May God be with every one of you. May his rod and his staff comfort you. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but nothing evil shall come your way in the name of Jesus. In conclusion, let's go to 2 Corinthians 6. In conclusion, 2 Corinthians 6. Verses 14 to 18. The letter, the letter 11. 2 Corinthians 6. Verses 14 to 18. The Bible says here, if you are there, it says, Do not 
be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or with Satan or the devil? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. And church, may God dwell in you. I will walk among them. Child, may God walk among you. May God walk among you. I will be their God. May God continue to be your God. And may God continue to be my God. And they shall be my people. May you all your lives be God's people. Look at such promises. Therefore, therefore, verse 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them. Come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Verse 16 can happen only if you come out and you are not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. May God be a father to you all. And may we all be sons and daughters of God. May you never touch the unclean. May you never defile yourself. Don't be like Achan, where nobody was watching. He took the leaven. A little leaven. That little leaven that Achan took brought severe consequences on himself. If you read on, in the end, God commanded that he should be stoned to death. Not just he, he and his entire household. His wives and children, they were all stoned to death because of what he did. I say that even now it's more dangerous. You see, those days, if you, if you committed a sin, you received immediate punishment, judgment and punishment. So, since already being stoned to death, that will put fear into you. Be very careful. But these days, it looks like, oh, you can do anything, and God doesn't even see it. God doesn't even know it. Therefore, many are doing things that they think are hidden from God. But then, you see, the judgment is reserved for the end. So even now, it's even more dangerous. Because now, when you see your, your fellow man or woman punish, it will help you to put fear into you to, to, to be righteous. But now you don't see it. So you look, oh, everybody's doing it. Everybody's getting away with it. So you don't feel the compulsion, the need to repent, to be holy, to be righteous. Only to be judged at the end, when at that time, there shall be no, no, no uh, more room for repentance. At that time, you cannot say, oh Lord, I'm sorry. Let me go back and I'll, I'll do it again. No. You cannot say, me poor child. No excuses. So it's even now, the present situation, even though it's a dispensation of grace, to me, it's even more dangerous. It's riskier. It's, 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 it's worse than those days. That's why we need very careful. The little leaven. Having heard this message, whoever you are, whatever you are, having heard this message, when you leave here today, begin to examine yourself, see if there's any leaven. Any leaven. Because this time, the leaven is leavening the lump of Joshua. You are the lump. Not the church. You and you only obey the consequences. So, as we leave here tonight, begin to ask yourself, is there any leaven in my life? Is there any leaven in me? And God will show it to you. And when God reveals you, repent. Repent. That will open the door for an avalanche of blessings 
to come your way. Cheers, amen. Thank you for participating in this teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.